Welcome to season one of Cuéntame, Tell Me Their Story. Hi, my name is Yvonne, and I'm a first generation of Puerto Rican descent, born and raised in New York City. I am a mother of four children, and so far, a grandma of four. Join us on this journey as we share some of our family's heritage. Thank you for listening. My name is Sarai, and at home, my close friends and family drop the eye and call me Sarah. I'm a born and raised New Yorican from the Bronx, the second oldest among my siblings and I. And I hold the title of the first daughter and first granddaughter on my maternal side. I am a proud and educated Latina ready to share the many stories of our ancestors. I'm Rebecca, the youngest daughter in our family. Originally from the Bronx, New York, I currently live and teach in upstate New York. I have been a writer and poet for over two decades, and this project has been a work in progress for many years. I am thrilled to share our stories with you. In our first episode, we begin our ancestry journey with our great-great-grandmother, Abuela Camila. She was born in the late 1800s in Morovis, Puerto Rico, located in the northern central part of the island. For over 100 years, our families worked the fincas and lived off the land. As a farmer, medicine woman, wife, and mother to 16 children, Abuela Camila was a stern yet fair woman. Through loss and turmoil, her stoic demeanor showed the world that suffering should not define a woman, it must make them stronger. Through storytelling and research, we put together the pieces of our past and honor those who came before us. Part one of Abuela Camila's life begins now. So pull up a chair, grab your cafecito, and listen to our stories. This episode does contain adult language and adult themes. One of the things that is very well known in our family is that we love to tell stories. Um, The number one storyteller in our family is our mother. Yvonne. Um, mm-hmm. She always took an opportunity, whether it was the right opportunity or just a weird opportunity, to throw in a little bit of family history at us. And it's been a part of our conversation for years. We've, we've known who these people are. Um, we know or we know certain intricacies of what kind of person they were when they were alive. But one of the things that we wanted to do with this project was to sort of fill in the gaps, right? Learn more about them put faces to names, documents to names, to really trace where we came from. If you haven't noticed, we are a Puerto Rican family from the Bronx. Uh, my mom is a, what are you, first generation New first Yorker? Generation. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've been to the island a few times. My mom has been a few times. My sister has been there the most and myself as well. But tr- keeping track of these stories is one of the main focal points for this project. Uh, my sister and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago where I was sharing some of the ideas that I had for my dissertation and her response is, yo, let's do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, that shit is hot. Let's do a podcast. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I think I was tired when I said, okay, Sada. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, you know, that whole entire week, since that initial conversation, we called each other. I think like almost like every hour we were texting each other and then yep. every day we were calling my mom saying yo 
Look what we found out. Mochinche. Chisme. And my mom is like, cuéntame. Cuéntame. And so it was, it was kind of exhilarating for me. I don't know about for Sarah. It was exhilarating collecting stories and documents and seeing like all the, the links coming into play and to see our family tree grow. Another part of it was like, holy crap. Like, what did we just take on? And then when we told our parents, they were like, what? My mom was like, go ahead, take a pen. Let's start trying on names. Yes, <laughs> um, in, our, in a whole list and, and just like spit firing, like all these stories and all these connections. And I was like, wait, I gotta, we got to write this down. We got to write this down. Save it. Save it for the podcast. Um, the same thing happened with my father. When we, I remember he came here to my house and I told him about it and I showed him our family tree. And he, he was like, give me a pen, give me a paper. And he just sat down instead of making a family tree on the paper and saying, oh, Fulano de Tal is related to who? This person had like 13 kids. This person had eight kids. And I'm like, no condoms. And I was like, dad, like, slow down. So it's been exciting for me. I don't know about for you, Sarah. How was it for you that first week? Yeah, I mean, I think when you have mentioned your dissertation, it kind of like, brought back this flow of memories and stories that we were told from childhood and it's just like we have to get this down on paper like we need to carry these stories to our future ancestors and let them know who were who we are and where they came from and I think that motivation came from my last trip to Puerto Rico in August where it was the first time that I stood in a different part of the island and I remember flying back and waiting at the airport to board my flight. And all I kept thinking about was my grandparents used to sit at the same airport waiting for flights to come back to New York. Like, how did they get their cup of coffee in the morning if they were flying in early to New York? Um, the wait, what did they do while they were waiting for their flight? You know, how did they get to the airport? Did, you know, back then they didn't have cars. Did, how did they travel? So it brought oh, it brought upon a curiosity of wanting to know more. So when you brought up this idea, I'm just like, I'm so, I'm trying, as a social worker, you have to stay on top of the new and what's happening. And this is what's happening. A podcast is what's happening. And I, I just saw it as a great opportunity to get our story out there and, you know, cut, continue to collect additional stories and get other family members involved and go through our tree, our family tree, and really pinpoint exactly what happened years ago. Yeah, and I think this idea of looking ahead of future generations, but also looking back at past is really important. And, and I, I love the fact of hearing you ask all these questions, right? I teach my students, one of the things about research is asking questions, because asking questions gets you, gets you to answers, and then that leads you to more questions. And it helps to gather all these ideas together to create a, a, a fuller picture. One of the, the hopes that I have for the podcast is this connecting to our roots and through our cultural identity, because that's always been a question. And I think as we gotten older and we, we've been out in the world, in the workforce or around different people, our identity of who we are as Latinas, as Boricuas, as New Yorkans is always in question. And and I think it's important for our family, right? We have how many nieces and nephews? We have like four in total, five. Mm -hmm. I want them to be able to know about our family so that it helps to create their identity. 
And cultural identity is represented in different ways, right? It shapes our world through language. As you can hear, we talk Spanish and English, especially when we argue. We say a lot of things in Spanish. It correlates to our rituals, you know, how we celebrate the passing of someone, how we celebrate um, the birth of someone through the idea of, of, of mythology, right? We have our own family myths and this is part of our storytelling. And there, there are some myths in our family that we are going to attempt to um, debunk, mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And, and some of the myths, you got to honor them because it's, there's a reason why these myths were made. And that's what we're going to explore as well. Exactly. And I think one of the main things, Sarah, you, you hit it on the head was the coffee, right? The cuisine. We always have to have our cup of coffee in the morning, right? I don't want to name any brands, but... Bustelo, baby. <laughs> Bustelo. Uh, you know, cafe con pan. That's, that's a very traditional breakfast growing up in our family. And so we're going to interlink all those things in order to help recreate and showcase who we are as a family and has, as Hispanics or Latinos. Um, I did mention I, early on. Go ahead, Mom. Can I, can I say that it's also important to, as we create this, um, this fabric, of our history in our family. It's a way how to connect and honor uh, our ancestors in so many ways. And, and we, get, we can also maintain that um, connection with them in the sense of we can identify, oh, you look a lot like Abuela Camila, or you look a lot like Abuelo so-and-so. So it, all that, it's, it's, it's important to continue the memory of their existence. And, and it identifies who we are today as Latinas, as females, uh, Boricuas, first generation, second generation in this country. And like you ladies express yourself very well, but it, you know, it makes us who we are and it, and it helps us to stand, to continue to stand on those shoulders that came before us. Um, no, absolutely, so, absolutely mom. And I, I do want to say that one of the things that I'm so grateful for in regards to you and dad was that you passed on the names of some of our relatives onto us. Um, mm. And I think <laughs> some of us would disagree. We're not too happy with that, well, but okay. Well. That's, another, that's another episode right there. But um, some of us are named after relatives. And it's amazing to, to see that and to, like I named my daughter using my name that comes from a past relative. And then to see, you know, to see my daughter, her name is Lucy, to see Lucy do some mannerisms that relates to Abuela Camila, I mean, Abuela Calming. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you being possessed by grandma right now? <laughs> but I think all of that combined and, I, and the word fabric, it's bringing all those things to create this beautiful tapestry of who we are as individuals. One of the things I do want to sort of pass on is I did mention early on the, my dissertation. My dissertation is focusing on more literary stuff. Uh, it focuses on four Hispanic, Cuban, Mexican, Puerto Rican poets and writers and how they use their craft to help bring together their memories and their family's history. So I wanted to do that for myself as a poet, as a writer, as, a, as an educator, as a mother, as a daughter, as a sister, as an aunt, whatever other label you want to throw on there, go ahead. I wanted to do that. And I think that I'm, ex I'm just excited. I'm just mm -hmm. totally excited about it's, this. It's, it's totally exciting. And just like uh, piggybacking off of what your mom has said, I think one of the things that my goal out of this project, out of this podcast is to really show 
how each generation has changed and how we've broken cycles, cycles that our ancestors were either forced to navigate through and where we at today in 2021, how we've overcome different challenges and different obstacles as women in our family. And I, I and there's things that I do every day and I say to myself, my ancestors are proud because we've gotten a step forward. You can also see the, the fact that what makes us strong today is, is it's in our genes, it's in our genetic makeup because our ancestors were strong in their generation, in their time. And for me, as, a, as the older of this group, is how I see that transcend through the different generations. How I see, for example, um, Lucy, how I see things in her that I also saw in my aunts, in my grandmother, in, even in, in my own children. That, that line that you say, that's a true family. This is, this is my blood family. It's, it's, she does it because there's something more than that. It's just more than just a name. It's because it's in, genetically in us. And that's what makes us, like, and I say us because it's just us, our family. But it's what makes humans be connected with our past, but also with our future. And that's what I love about it. We're, we're the bomba.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god Ma, if, if, if we're going off of genetics god help us all <laughs> oh for real some of it is growing us up in our family <laughs> <laughs> no i i think that, um, <laughs> that listen i think those are amazing goals and i hope that we're able to accomplish that and then some Sarah and I have already planned this podcast out. We have two seasons of this podcast, so we hope you stick around to listen to it because it really is wow. going to be an interesting adventure. Our first season of the podcast, Cuéntame, is going to focus on our mother's side of the family, specifically the females. Uh, the second season is going to focus on our father's side of the family, specifically the males. We want to show equal attention to that. So we're going to start off at the very beginning. We're going to go back a couple of years, a couple of decades. We're going to start with our great, great grandmother, Abuela Camila. Okay. So mom, if you want to sort of like, who was Abuela Camila? Wow. Abuela Camila, I met her only a couple of times when I was a child. I think the last time I saw her, I must have been like six years old. Um, Abuela Camila was a tall and stoic female um, who didn't filter her, her what, what was coming into her mouth. She had no filter. And she said it how it was, whether you liked it or not, whether she was offending you or defending you. And she was very proud in her heritage. She was very proud about her family. And mind you, she wasn't rich. She was a campesina. That means a, a female who raised her family in the countryside of Puerto Rico. Um, she was a midwife, self-proclaimed, self-studied midwife. Um, her mother was from Spaniard descent from Spain. And her father was also from Spain, but had actually second, second generation uh, 
first gen I'm sorry, first generation in the Dominican Republic. Okay. And she took on her mother uh, tradition of being that Spaniard stand up type of uh, female where um, she fought for what she believed. She spoke for what, she, what, what was in her mind and in her heart, but she also had a giving heart. And she was considered la comadrona of the little town that they lived in. She was a woman who bore 16 children all by herself. Woo! 16 children. Uh, there were four sets of twins, okay? In a time where they lived in a little shack. So you make the calculations that anybody has been into uh, one of those uh, old country shacks. Ma, quick just... question, because this is like a common question when you hear right. a, a woman who has 16 kids. Was it the same baby daddy for all 16? Same baby daddy. Same baby daddy. Didn't change. Didn't change. I don't know about him, whether he had other, you know, little friends on the side, but so so culture was the woman was honored by bearing children and you know being the wife, a a submissive wife. So let me she was a submissive wife, but she not wasn't she also was very controlling. So this is so talking about her marriage and to use Sarah's Mm -hmm. phrase, baby daddy. Let's talk about her marriage. How did Abuela Camila meet her husband? Abuela Camila came to the island when she was young, to the island of Puerto Rico when she was young from Spain. She was brought in by her aunts and and I want to say her father, who was some type of a soldier at that time. Um, she came into the island and she came for a quinceañero of a cousin. That was the purpose of her coming. And in that quinceañero gathering, this is, again, this is all stories that it was passed down from my grandmother, which was Abuela Camila's mother, daughter, um, to me. And it's like and you just, mentioned before, it could be myth, it could be, you know, twisted story, added, exaggerated, but whatever it was, it was told. And, and Abuela Camila, she was born in the late 1800s. Yeah. So, so imagine she, that type of stoic person in a poor community. So she met this man, Abuelo Helen. Uh, his name was Angel Jose, Jose Angel, something like that. Um, yeah, I found Abuelo it in my Helen. records. I, I found it Angel. Yeah, Angel. He was dark, a little bit darker skin, not too dark, but pretty dark compared to Abuela Camila. Abuela Camila was more fair skin. And she had long, I remember her having very long hair that she never cut, turned into grace, but very long straight hair and always had that big bun, typical of the Spaniard. And that always stood with the long neck, you know. Was she Pentecostal? It looked like a Pentecostal from the 1800s. I'm just saying that, that religion goes back into our family. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, she was very Catholic. She was a devoted Catholic. She went to mass every day in the morning. That was, besides drinking her coffee and eating her bread, that was going to mass for a good half an hour and then coming back and taking care of the house. So she was into church, into her Bible. She was also very giving of herself. 
and um, very caring. That's how come everybody knew she was a camadrona, but she also helped bury the dead. She helped, you know, she was la curandera, which is the, the uh, healer from healer. the home healing, you know, home remedies. She was everything. She would help somebody, you know, in a counseling. She was everything. She met uh, Abuelo Helene in this quinceañero. They fell in love. And they plan in Puerto Rico, you plan your marriage very quickly. You didn't wait, <laughs> you didn't wait two, two years or three years and walk around the park. No, you're going to marry. Okay, we love you. Okay, we love each other. Let's get married. And they planned their wedding very quickly. I don't, I'm not sure how long it was, but it was in their wedding gathering during the wedding, you know, gathering that they realized that they had a common aunt, una tia, that spilled the beans. And the beans was, uh, you can't get married with him. Why? With this guy, because he's your cousin. Actually, he's your first cousin. And that was like a big bombshell in that wedding. <laughs> um, and she said, what do you mean my first cousin? His father is your father's brother. If these are two brothers who came from Spain in the, one of their wars and they traveled to the islands, one landed in the island of, of the Dominican Republic and the other one landed in the island of Puerto Rico. They had not seen each other. Well, at that time there was no cell phones. There was no mail of, of that kind. And mail took months to be delivered. And it was only through the wedding invitation that this aunt came across the seas and came to the wedding. And she was the one who disclosed the turmoil <laughs> that started that relationship. Um, and they still got uh, married even after learning that they were Abuela Camila said, I love him. He loves me. We didn't know we were cousins. What stops us? And they got married. Los lo primos no se primen. Bueno, esos primos se primieron. Bien en premio. That's a famous saying. I actually just heard that saying on TikTok. Um, <laughs> they, they loved each other. Even, and I want to, I know this is a podcast, even to their last days of their life, they were very intimate and close. Ooh, they were doing oh. the do. <laughs> they were very intimate to the Woo. end of their days. Okay. How long were they married for? Ooh, until they, they, they died. And they must have. Around, around what age did they die? Um, Abuela Camila lasted until the age of 92. She's my role model. <laughs> um, Abuelo Helene died before she did. I think two years before he did. She did. He was a couple of years older than her, but he died before her because he he struggled with a lot of health issues. And all that she, I remember my grandmother telling me that they got married either in their nineteen or eighteen. She must have been eighteen or nineteen when her mother got married and that's how young how long they lasted over almost 80 years of marriage if you want to say or less but a good number of years 70 um, probably yep and, and they had and you said they had 16 kids they had 16 children four sets of twins being being you know getting pregnant and bearing children 
in a time where there was a lot of uh, needs, financial needs, food needs, stuff like that. They worked in the field. They had their own farm. They had horses. They had whatever you name it. They had it. But yet they had all their children. Now, there was a time in Puerto Rico in the early 1900s where there was a lot of epidemics, a lot of child, child age illnesses. What do you have that as a registry? Yeah, so as you were talking, I pulled up. So one of the things about this project is that we, we decided to use a, a genealogy service to track and locate documents on our family. If anyone's interested in doing that, I think I totally encourage it because it was scary and eye-opening all at the same time to see people's names on documents that are over, you know, 100 years old is pretty awesome. So as I, when we started this project, one of the things I did was I started looking for anything I could find for our family. And so I found this census from 1940s and it lists Abuela Camila, her husband and her kids. And it and shows those are some of the kids. <laughs> those are, yeah, these are some of the kids. I mean, they must have been older. She must have had older family, older kids who sort of moved out, had their own, got married, you know, had what, their own kids. What, ha- what happened to Abuela Camila was a lot of her children died at child age, at a very young age, because of measles, rubella, you name it. There was one, I, my grandmother once told me that there was one, one, one episode, the one season where they had everybody in the town had the measles and she put her two daughters to sleep in la misma cama. She had like one bed, slept two kids or three kids and she had macas hanging different areas of the house. And she put- And macas are um, hammocks. Hammocks, hammocks. yeah, hammocks. And she put her two daughters to sleep. And when they, she woke up in the morning, she was checking up on them. They were born, you know, they, they were both dead. That's how bad. And, you know, throughout the island, it wasn't just my family. It, every family experienced similar tragedies. She had another uh, set of twins, who, who, two boys. They, uncle, uncle, uh, Abuelo Helene, one of the ways he used to make a little extra income was to make home gin, home home liquor. <laughs> it was very popular. <laughs> Roncaña was very popular at that time. And they used to make wrong out of anything, pineapple, uh, sugar cane, you name it. They make they make rum. But they he used to make it in the home and sell it to make extra, make ends meet. And he had his place of storing the rum was underneath the front porch and he went out to the field and of course his kids were all little they all followed they were all a year apart but his twins they were must have been like four or five years old at the time they saw his, their father sneak uh had sneaked out of the uh out of the house and their mother must have been busy cooking or whatever all i know is that my grandmother mentioned when they come to realize that the two the two twins boys were uh, were missing, they went searching for the kids and they found them underneath the front porch and they had drank the rum. And, <laughs> yeah, and one of them died of alcohol poisoning spontaneously, and the other one was uh, severely damaged 
and was and cerebral damage, brain damage, and he was handicapped for the rest of his life. So one of the things, mom, um, that I want to point out here on this document itself is how this is from the 1940s, right? How in the 1940s they tracked using mm -hmm. the census and how they labeled people. So your grandfather was labeled as the jefe of the mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wish a motherfucker would. <laughs> and, and not only that, they also included their educational level. And so yeah. if we if we scroll down, it some of your um, grade relatives, level. our relatives, some of them didn't know how to write yeah. past a certain they, level. Some of them never attended college. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them just wasn't working or mm -hmm. they were just as one of the documents for dad's side of the family that I noticed for the wife, when she died, her job was mujer de la casa. She was just a housewife and yeah. she was a housewife for like 50 years. And that is listed on her death certificate in Puerto Rico that that was her job. Yeah. So it's oh. very interesting how things were tracked back then mm -hmm. and how we're able to see them today. And it's also interesting how you say hijo two, dos, hijo do, hija do. Mm -hmm. uh, another common thing that practice that was done, a lot of the children had similar names. So you had two Jose's or Tres Maria, Maria del Carmen, Maria eh, Consuelo. So there was a, always a repeated name hmm. um, that was very popular. Roberto, Roberto Jose, Jose Roberto. Like, you know, so they would interchange the first name and a middle name and then switch it for the next guy. So and that was very common practice. In talking about names, it made doing research so much more difficult because <laughs> there are so many people with the same first and last names. Yeah. And only rarely would they include a second last name or they would yeah. inverse the first, the mother's last name and the father's last name. Or there was, um, the spelling was different. It was an Americanized spelling versus how it, it really is spelled. That made tracking things so much more complicated. And well, here you can see names. in the you can see on the census is they put a full name. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, some of they put full names. Some of them, they just repeated the names, but it was customary at that time. Yeah, the way they track things is, and they went from house to house in Puerto Rico and from town to town and village to village and tried to keep track of all these things to take note of what was happening in the island of Puerto Rico, but there was yeah. still a large disconnect from Puerto Rico to the mainland. Mm -hmm. And we'll, in later episodes, we'll talk about why our family chose to migrate to the United States. What are um, some of the possible causes to cause that migration? Because there are certain, in, if you look at the history of Puerto Rico in the United States, there are certain periods in the 1950s, you had what's considered to be the first migration from the island to the mainland. And a lot of it did have to do with industry, the job markets, um, and then the, 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 the decline of the farming culture. But you said that our family had farms. So what were they farming? They had cane, sugar cane, coffee, rooted vegetable like verdura, coconut, pineapples, uh, guayaba. So all kinds of tropical fruits and, and vegetables that were raised in the island. But I want to go back a little bit about why also they register like this. Kids were not registered or were not identified as being born until the age of four, five, or six. And some kids were, the birth certificates were made five or six years after they were born. 
Sometimes they also registered um, nieces and nephews included yeah. in there as part of their family. Here, here you have a sobrino, yeah, a nephew, and that was that's a nephew. Um, so that was also another practice that was done where if my, you know, my nieces and nephews all came, we lived next to each other, we're part of my family and would be select one household to carry the name, one household to register those kids, okay? But the, the bigger problem was the fact that kids were not registered until very late. And I so think that, ex that explains the discrepancy in a lot of the birth certificates that I was lo looking at that, that you can find. Yeah. It was like one said this date and the date of birth are they alter a little bit by a couple of days. Yeah. So that, that kind of makes sense as to why there were so um, many discrepancies. Another thing that was happening at that time, because this is what you know was explained to me, because I did a not as intense project as this, but I in my undergrad study, I did a genealogy track and I literally interviewed um some of some of my my grand aunts and my uncle grand uncles and you know cousins that now some of them have passed away i interviewed them by phone and they explained a lot of the you know they correlated or they disputed some of the stories i had been taught but in general the the situation was that a lot of children one of the reasons why they registered the kids late was there was a couple of reasons one they did not trust government okay they, they were so fearful that the government was corrupt. They didn't trust what was being said. And that's one of the turmoils that Puerto Rican, in Puerto Rico continues to struggle with. Mm -hmm. Another thing was there, a lot of children, they waited until they were much older because a lot of children did not make it past the age of three. Like I said, my grandmother has 16 children and I would say, uh, seven of them were the surviving children, okay? So a lot of children died before they had the opportunity to register them. So it's not reported in any document. It's not found in any document. And again, because of their impoverished way of living and everything that was happening in the country, they did their own birthing and their own burial. So a lot of people... If they born one day, one day and then they die 20 years later, you wouldn't know unless it's written somewhere whether they really existed. And they became just part of the story. Um, a lot of my, my grand aunts that are not here, that are not in this list, they died because of other tragedies in life and it's not even recorded there. Um, we don't know where they're buried, you know, when they died. Uh, and it's still happening today. I, a lot of my cousins have passed away and I still don't, I barely know if, who they were. So I, this is one of the reasons why I, I really appreciate the fact that you ladies are taking this time to do this because it keeps us connected to those ancestors. Music for our podcast was performed by our dad Hector. We'd like to thank our parents for their support and our extended family for answering our questions and helping us learn about our ancestors. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to receive updates, learn facts, and see pictures of our family. 
visit our website, cuentameapodcast.com to hear past episodes and to see some of the documents we found about our relatives. We hope you will tune in to the next episode of Cuentame. Tell me their story.